Welcome. My name is Ward Strasser, and I'm with the Healthcare Executives Network. I'm here today with Sydney Finkelstein, Tuck School of Business, Dartmouth College, also the author of the Wall Street Journal's bestseller, Why Smart Executives Fail. His new book, already uh, Amazon bestseller, Super Bosses, we're here to talk about today. And um, how exceptional leaders master the flow of talent. So this new book covers a vast majority of markets. High tech, healthcare, even jazz. So with that, Sydney, thank you very much for coming. Great to chat with you, Ward. Excellent, great. So um, tell me about super bosses. What exactly is that? Yeah, so uh, a super boss is a leader, a boss, who helps other people do more than they ever thought possible. And by doing that, they actually accelerate their careers and create gigantic opportunities for them. That's pretty much what it is. It's as good a boss as you're ever going to get. Hmm. So um, with that, in healthcare, you mentioned Tommy Frist. Let's talk about him for a moment. Sure. I mean, Tommy Frist was just such an outstanding example of, of the super boss in action. Because one of the ways that you can tell, one of the best ways you can tell if somebody's a super boss is you look at senior executives throughout an industry and you do a genealogical study, which is to say, who do they work for? And you just kind of map that all out. When you map that out, it turns out that Tommy Frist is far and away the most influential person in the development of generations of talent in, um, in the hospital industry and more broadly in many aspects of healthcare. And so that's really what got our attention. And then we started talking to people. We interviewed, must be 15 different people that worked for, uh, for Tommy. We interviewed uh, near Mr. Frist himself. Um, and um, and always wanted to understand, you know, what makes you tick, and what do you do, and how do you think about it, and especially for his proteges, you know, what what was it like? What was it like to work for him? And and that kind of that was one of some eighteen super bosses that we studied in detail. And uh, and the point of the book, really, the co the core of the book, is to try to understand what their playbook is. What do they have in common? All these different super bosses. What does Tommy Frist have in common with? You know, a Larry Ellison at Oracle, or a Lauren Michaels in you know comedy, or Ralph Lauren, Michael Miles in consumer packaged goods. Lots and lots of examples. So that's kind of what we were doing. Mm. Is it transferable, or is it just Tommy Frist? Yeah, it's absolutely transferable. And uh, I remember talking to uh, one of his proteges, um, as I call them, former employees that have done well. And he said, I'm so glad that the book is out because now I can give it to my staff and my team and they'll understand what makes me tick hmm. because that explains his upbringing in a sense and what, uh, what made him into the leader that he is by working for, for Tommy. Hmm. So what would, what would Tommy Frist have in common with Ralph Lauren? Yeah, so uh, well, there's a lot of things actually. Um, and it starts with uh, talent and where you look for talent. Um, every one of the super bosses, first included, will look for talent in unusual places, which is to say, uh, I, I call it you know, looking for diamonds in the rough. Um, and so, um, uh, Ralph Lauren, take an example from Ralph's career, a famous story about how he's at a restaurant with his family having dinner, and then a table uh, adjacent to him, there's another small group, and they strike up a conversation, as will happen sometimes over dinner. And uh, Ralph is really intrigued by one of the women at that other table, and how she's dressed, how she put together her clothes, and the way she just exudes a certain attitude, which is what he's all about. And they're talking on and off for a couple of hours, and Ralph gets up to leave with his family, and um, she hadn't recognized who it was. And so she, he, gives, he gives her his business card. She takes a look and says, Ralph Lauren, she falls off her seat. She can't believe it. And he says, come in tomorrow. I want to offer you a job. 
So looking for people in unusual places mm. is a commonality. And think about that. You know, you, you want the world's best talent. Well, everyone's looking in the same places. How about looking in some unusual places? And that, that'll mean, you know, people with different backgrounds sometimes. It'll mean maybe some underrepresented uh, groups uh, as well. So you find that talent. And, of course, they really emphasize smart, you know, intelligent people, creative people, flexible people. That's who Superbosses really wanted. And then once you have talent like that, you start to energize them, you start to motivate them, you truly inspire them. And we can talk more about some of the details about what, um, what Tommy Frist did. But that, that's really the beginning of the formula. And it goes all the way through to how you manage them, how you manage them day to day, how you build teams, and how you, um, how you stay in touch with them when they're ready to go. So you mentioned some of the details potentially that Frist did. Uh, should we discuss a little bit about that? Maybe? Sure, sure. So um, he used to uh, have uh, you know a regular Wednesday evening basketball uh, game uh, with uh, with anyone in the company could be two or three or four levels down. That's not a bad thing to have that type of uh, that type of interaction. Uh, another one of his um, former employees, staff members, told me Tommy was an unusual CEO. He was always available. Now, who ever heard about that? Most CEOs, most managers, never mind CEOs, are totally scripted, and they have one meeting after another, and to get. Mm -hmm. Any time on their calendar, which is the term we use, right? You got to th go through a couple of barriers. Tommy would make himself available. Mm -hmm. He and this, uh, many of the super bosses had the same the same approach. They would do it physically. They would do it just being always always there. And he would he would kind of work closely with people um, and emphasize in particular teaching. He was a true teacher. I mean, I'll give you another story. Um, he, uh, he used to have his own uh, private plane, and he would fly from hospital to hospital, location to location. And uh, he would like to take, he often would take an employee or someone in his team with him. And uh, one of the senior executives um, on the, in the company went with him once and told me the story about how they were on the plane going for wherever they were going. And, uh, and Tommy starts a conversation about, you know, what, uh, what are your goals? Um, and okay, so he goes asking your goals, and he he starts answering, you know, certain things. And then Tommy says, uh, uh, "Let me show you what I have in my shirt pocket." And he has a little um, little card, and he says, "This ha this is what I uh, walk around with every single day, and I update it every day, and it includes my goals for my career and in terms of business, my goals in terms of contributions and social and helping other people, and my goals for my own family." And I'm always thinking about it. I'm always, uh, I'm always um, updating it. And then he asked this this protege of his, "Could you show me your paper?" It's a lesson that you you, you learn pretty quickly. Uh, absolutely. So so he, he climbs the mountain. Some people would stop, even though you're successful, thinking that you're successful. He keeps going though. Yeah. He keeps modifying the goals. Right. Another trademark of a super boss. Uh, amazing. Now, I'm a I'm a healthcare executive, and I'm starting to leaf through this book and read. I see Miles Davis. Mm -hmm. um, correlation. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people say, what, what's going on with that, Miles Davis? He, he had a different life than Tommy Frist, to be sure, and, and, and any of the other, really, um, any of the other super bosses. But uh, if you look at how Miles Davis managed his band, and of course, Miles Davis, arguably the greatest jazz creator in, in history, um, and innovator. And uh, you look at how he manages band. You look at the people on that band, and they are the, they became the superstars of, of the next generation. Herbie Hancock, Herbie Hancock, uh, Bill Evans, Wayne Shorter, John Coltrane, Coltrane. Uh, incredible superstars. And uh, you, you look at how he managed the band, and 
One of the things that really stood out to me that many super bosses do as well in their own way is Miles Davis insisted on people coming out with something new, not every now and then, but every day. And he would spice up his language to be sure, but what he would tell people in his, uh, in his band is, you know, if you don't have anything new to offer me, then you can go. And he expected that every, now I know it's jazz, it's, there's an improvisation side to it, and it's entertainment, uh, but nonetheless, that same principle of always looking for something new, always trying to break through barriers, that was true for every one of these uh, super bosses. Innovation is such a critical part of what they do. And I'll tell you something else about this, you know, we're talking about people and developing talent. Everyone who's watching, uh, watching this could think about how talent is managed in their own organizations and their own experience. And it turns out people have been talking about this problem forever. They're talking about it now, they're talking about it 20 years ago. We gotta get our, we gotta get better at talent, we gotta manage better, be, we gotta attract better people. Why are we still talking about the same problem? Because we haven't solved it. Mm. And if you look at where innovation has occurred in organizations, it's revolutionized so many parts of companies, whether it's supply chain management, uh, marketing and sales, and, and all kinds of digital technologies that are in place, manufacturing. What about the most important part of an organization, which is the talent function? And it's not the function, it's the core, it's the heartbeat of an organization. I believe there, there's been less innovation there than anywhere else. And that's why we keep coming back. You know, I talk to CEOs all the time. What, you know, what are your pain points? What are you worried about? And this is what they're always talking about, this problem with talent. Why do they keep talking about the same thing? Because we haven't had enough innovation. Because people are afraid to try really new things. The Super Boss Playbook is loaded with all kinds of new ideas that have proven to be extremely successful for these super bosses. And they're just waiting to be applied by the rest of the world. So practical, real life applications. I noticed in the back you have lists. Yep. So, yep. so somebody could actually apply this. It's not all theory. Well, definitely not theory. It's uh, one combination of these great stories. You know, you talk to some of these right. people. Oh, practical. You know, the stories are fascinating and it draws you in. But uh, practical to be sure. I mean, it's, it's a business book. We're not talking about a, th a book about theoretical physics. It, when you read it, you better get some ideas you can use right now. And that's what we try to do. Excellent. So if, if I'm an, a healthcare executive, I've read this. I'm starting to implement it. I want more. What do I do? I want to learn more about this. Well, I'm certainly available for conversations, and I do a lot of speeches and, uh, and, and consulting. Uh, but you can also go to the website, uh, www.superbosses.com. I have a lot of information there. I have an assessment that anyone could do. And it's a pretty cool assessment. It's based on a ton of research that we did. It has some, I think, 12 questions. And you get to evaluate yourself on how much of a super boss you are and provide some feedback on what you can get better at or what, uh, um, what you're really good at already. So you get a kind of a, a, a starting point. And I think more broadly, that's a really good thing for most, for just about any leader. There's so many assessments around. Mm -hmm. They get at a lot of different things, that's fine. But what about uh, the extent to which you're a super boss and you exhibit the super boss behaviors or actions or playbook? Um, I think that's something you can do. We built out a much bigger one, much more involved for some of our you know, follow-on work with organizations. Mm. Um, but so there's a lot of practical ideas there. There's stuff you can get uh, through the um, through the website. Of course, people can contact me for even even more. Uh, but I like the idea that this book, just reading it, gives you enough to get started on. You know, what should I do if I want to become more like a super boss tomorrow? Well, there's there there, there are probably a hundred ideas in there. So this is breaking paradigms, definitely. And um, the differences uh, across functions, people can see, uh, with, with everything happening in healthcare, the consolidation in the U.S., um, socialized medicine uh, coming abroad, coming over in comparison, contrast between um, different countries and what's best, and the pressure, uh, typically non-for-profit market going for-profit, 
Yeah. Um, right. These are those are bits and so it's a really interesting point, specifically to healthcare with Obamacare and you know how is it going to adapt and change? Nobody really knows, but I don't think it's going to be disappearing. Mm-hmm. That would be a real shock, I think, for most people. And so there's a lot of changes in how people are thinking about healthcare. What about the changes about how to think about leadership, management, being a good boss, being an effective follower, and 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 managing the, the entire talent function? This book is not about you know Obamacare in any particular way, but if you need to change and adapt to what's going on around you, there's a whole bunch of ideas about how to do that to become a more effective boss. And the key attributes, I would say, that I think are relevant, I've mentioned this already, innovation, that's central to the entire kind of requirement or challenge in healthcare. This is innovation for people, innovation in, organ- in organizations. I think, um, I, I think there's a big part around inspiration, and specifically what I mean here is most people, maybe everybody lives in a 24-7 world, everybody's working like crazy. What about the part about getting the people that work for you to be truly inspired, truly believe that they can do anything? It sounds a little bit you know, hokey, but every super boss did this. In fact, I, I remember talking to multiple protégés of multiple uh, super bosses, and they would describe what their, what their super boss was saying about the, the, their vision for what they want to accomplish. And they, and, and, they would, and they said, you know, when I heard so-and-so, you know, Tommy Frist say this or Bill Sanders say this, mm-hmm. I couldn't wait. It was like a train leaving the station and you start to see it go and you're running like crazy to grab hold of that because this is one of the great opportunities of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. That's what inspiration is. That's a pretty cool mm-hmm. thing. So innovation, uh, inspiration, and, and, and I, think, um, I think managing teams more effectively. All those things are things super bosses, super mm-hmm. bosses do. And they're, I think, highly relevant for the healthcare world that we're into already and, and emerging. Agreed. So, you know, when I went through this book, I'm thinking to myself, hmm, does Sid have a favorite? Hmm. Do you have a favorite super boss? Do I have a favorite super boss? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> of course, I love Miles Davis because it's such an unusual counterintuitive mm. uh, story. There's no question about that. Um, I, I, I do I do like Lorne Michaels a lot from mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. uh, because he's been doing it for four decades mm-hmm. and he also has solved um, a, a problem that many organizations have no clue how to solve and Tommy Frist did this as well and that is what do you do with great talent when they're ready to leave? How do you manage that? And most mm-hmm. organizations, in fact almost every organization, almost every senior executive focuses on talent retention. Now that's not a shock except that I think it's a bad idea. I think if you focus on talent retention only, then who are you going to keep? You're going to keep the people that don't have other opportunities. The ones that have the best opportunities are going to go and, and fly out. And, you know, it, it, and then you add in the millennial generation and all the rest. Sure. Is there sure. anyone sure. starting a job today that can't wait to get their gold watch You know, after 25 <laughs> years? It's not, going to, it's not going to happen. So if you know the world has changed in this way, and even before we've been talking about millennial generation, if you know that some of your best people, they're gonna want your job, or they're gonna to wanna to move on, they're gonna to wanna to create their own thing. If you know that to be the case, why would you wanna create an entire organizational like talent management system that doesn't um, take that into consideration and doesn't try to take advantage of that? So Tommy Friss is a great example. And again, Lauren Michaels, very different industry, same sure. type of idea. Sure, Tommy Frist. Would, uh, would have lots of great talent in his organization. And he knew that they were gonna move on. They, they wanted to run their own show. They were ready to be CEO somewhere else. What did he do? He helped create a spin-off company from HCA, independent company. His protege would have the opportunity to become the CEO of that company. 
Tommy Frist and HCA would be investors in that company. And so you create this gigantic opportunity for a really great talent. They leave, but you have some equity and you have that incredible loyalty and feeling and connection so that you can continue to interact. You know, in, in the Lauren Michaels example, of course, is you look at late night TV, Jimmy Fallon and Seth Meyers. Both are former SNL comedians or players. Seth Meyers is a writer, and they, they both are the kind of major players on NBC late night. Guess who the executive producer is of that show? It's Lauren Michaels. So you, if you really start to think a little bit more about this, and this is one of the biggest rule-breaking ideas that I think is going to sweep many, many companies, because I don't think you can get away with just thinking about talent retention anymore. I think, uh, I, I think there's a world going on where, where people are thinking about two years, five years, eight years, ten years in a Absolutely. company. And sure. if that's the case, why do you keep operating with a system that's all based on assuming they're getting a gold watch? We need to change that. Mm. And Tommy Frist is way ahead of his time in doing that. Mm. Very good. So, um, closing, one or two things that, uh, that you would say to the audience or, or suggest as far as uh, Superboss, we covered sure. so many things. Yeah. It's applicable. Um, so, I would say, um, I'd say number one, I'd say two things. Number one, anyone could become a Superboss. Uh, I'm talking about Tommy Frizz and Larry Ellison and Lauren Michaels, you know, really larger than life successful people. The truth is that every part of the Superboss playbook, the stuff that they do, is uh, teachable, it's learnable. Anyone can do it. It requires you to want to do it. But that's true for anything in life, right? Mm -hmm. So um, anyone could, and that's really important. And in fact, I already know from conversations with many people that there are super bosses up and down organizations. Many people that have, that have been reading the book are writing me or are you know, doing something on Twitter saying, you know, I'm, I just bought this for my super boss. So it's not that we're only talking about the CEOs of the world. We're talking about people up and down an organization, which means any single person could become more super boss-like. And then the second point is, well, how, how does that happen? Again, I have you know, 100 different ideas in the book, but I would say if you want to look for one place to start, and you're a boss, I would say focus very carefully on the people on your team and customize how you interact with them. Be a teacher, teach them, coach them what you need to coach them, but what, uh, but the way you teach and coach and interact with, with one person is not necessarily the same as another person. We know this, you know, anyone who's a, who's a parent and has, you know, more than one kid uh, knows you can't do exactly the same thing. I mean, some of this is so obvious, but yet we talk about leadership styles all the time and management mm -hmm. styles as if that gives me the, the right to act in the same way to everyone. I think that's, that's, that's ridiculous. I think the, the super boss will, will, not will, but does customize, and that's a good place to start. What makes each person, each person on your team tick and figure out how to motivate them and how to coach and, and teach them individually. And you do that and, and, and the upside is gigantic. So that's a good place to start. Excellent, excellent. Sydney Finkelstein, Super Bosses. Well worth the read. Thank you. Thanks, Ward.